Welcome to X-Rated Movies, a podcast by two men who used to date, but unfortunately tragedy struck at a most unfortunate time in their lives. These homosexual men stopped dating, but now they've created an audio medium where they talk about movies together. They call this medium X-Rated Movies. One of those unfortunate men is Ryan Whedon. The other one of our tragic heroes is Matthew Fisher. This is embarrassing. I know. <laughs> I can't. Even. That being said, our Vanner Herzog is going to be coming back many times during this episode. <laughs> Matt, Ryan, today is a special day. It's Vanner Herzog Day. Yeah, we're unpinning big pin. We're going to be talking about Vanner Herzog today for when the first you, time. When, when, when did we put a pin in that? Initially, put a pin in that during the we need to talk about Jack episode. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and because uh, uh, Lars von Trier is your favorite director, and uh-huh. I think uh, Werner Herzog's my favorite director. Okay. If I had to pick one, if I really was forced to, and uh, to well, recently, not today, uh, I was like, I wonder how many of his movies I've seen. Not as many as I thought I had. Well, let's I'll tell see. you that. Well, I've seen quite a few, and then I look it up, and I've only seen 37% of his movies. Exactly. Uh, which is 29, but that does include some short films. Sure. So I don't know how you want to count those, but... I'm probably actually only in the teens, but I think that's enough for me to say... I like enough of what I've seen to say that I think that he's my favorite filmmaker. Okay. I mean, yeah, he just he's got a lot out there. So like, even if you've seen you know, 15 of his movies... Which, you know, a lot of filmmakers don't have 15 I mean, I love Bong Joon-ho, but he's got like seven. Yeah. But I feel like any time I'm watching a Werner Herzog, even if it's sort of like a lame fiction one that he made in the 70s, there's always at least one shot that I'm like, this is stunning. You mean like at the end of Cobra Verde when it's just like fucking Klaus Kinski wrestling with a log on a beach? Mm Mm-hmm. And you're like, this is like literally nothing. It's just, it's like Klaus Kinski just being drunk and obnoxious towards a piece of wood. Yeah. Or like uh, the, the Vatsek that he did where it's like very boring for most of the movie. But then there's like a shot of Klaus Kinski again, like running through a field of wheat. Mm. But the wheat is all in the foreground, like waving out of focus. Uh, you're just like, oh, this came, you know, an hour and a half into the movie. But you're like... I get it. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm now I'm on board. You got me. I don't know. And like it's his most recent movies, and by recent I mean the past like twenty years or so, when he's doing his quote unquote documentaries, which I would rather call film essays, if I may. Mm. Um, they're all in English, so you're thinking like, oh, this is a person whose native language is German, and he's writing these really like floral English language narratives over it, and he has that soothing voice. I mean, his voice is so unique. There's no mistaking it for anyone else. But also, I think he he leans into it. I think he realizes how people perceive what he's saying or how he's saying it. It's not like he's showing up as doing a guest appearance on Parks and Rec on accident. Yeah, or The Mandalorian. Bounty hunting is a complicated profession. You know, years ago when Pokemon Go was like new and hot, there was some interview with him where they were asking about it, and he's like, is there death? Yeah. Is there murder? 
he probably doesn't actually care if Pokemon Go has death or murder, but no. he just knows that that's what people want out of him. And I mean, I, I listened to an interview he did with uh, Jesse Thorne, and there was a part where he was talking about, like, is there anything you're not interested in? He's like, I don't like American football. And then, like, he's like, what? Jesse Thorne's like, what are you talking about? And he was like, well, I guess I could get into the idea of a quarterback getting the snap. And then he looks and he has to find there's a moment of dramatic tension. And, like, the way Werner Herzog was describing the quarterback situation, I'm like, I love American football now. <laughs> yeah. His voice and his phrasing just. Nothing like it. Totally unique. Yeah. Totally one of a kind. Yeah. He's also a badass. <laughs> There's like that interview that he was doing for some uh, somebody, and he got shot during the interview. Look, you're yeah, bleeding. Yeah. I think here yeah, somewhere. Yeah. Look, you, I mean that's a, that's a somebody sh- shot at you and created a wound in your abdomen. It's not not significant. When was that? Uh, a couple of years ago, not that long ago, actually. <laughs> oh whoa! I didn't hear about that one. Yeah, and I can't I can't remember the full story, but he made a bet with somebody that. Uh, I can't remember who it was. The eating your shoe? Eating a shoe, yeah. It was a bet with Errol Morris. Yeah. Because uh, he, he, they made the bet that, like, Werner Herzog was, like, teaching documentary filmmaking at some film school, and Errol Morris was a student, and Errol Morris wanted to, you know, get this documentary made and produced and distributed, Gates of Heaven, which mm. he did. And Werner Herzog was like, I bet you, like, I'll eat my shoe if you ever get that, like, distributed and Errol Morris proved him wrong and he ate his shoe man of his word like they put in like a fucking crock pot for 48 <laughs> hours and he like filled it full of like carrots and onions and potatoes to like try and like imbue some level of flavor in it and to like soften it up and then they sold tickets to it yeah. <laughs> and like made it an event of like Werner Herzog eating his shoe yeah, it's a short film you can look it up yeah Werner Herzog I, eats his shoe I didn't mean to to eat this shoe uh in public, I intended to, to eat it in the restaurant. It's wild. It is wild. The man is awesome, I think. And I think he makes really good movies. Yeah, I mean, he, he's made so many. A lot of them are hit and miss, but... Sure, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll grant you that. I mean, part of it is that he does make things tough on himself. Did you ever watch Burden of Dreams? I did, yeah. <laughs> and it's like his insistence on only shooting certain scenes during the golden hour... The fact that the real Fitzcarraldo did not try and move a ship over a mountain, <laughs> but instead took the ship apart and took it over the mountain in pieces and reconstructed it on the other side of the mountain. Right. His insistence on working with Klaus Kinski, which while Klaus Kinski is a very determined actor, seemed to just be a chaos agent. But I feel like it's one of those situations where it's like a director muse situation where like they bring out the best in each other. Oof! At what cost, though? I mean, I'm not gonna, not gonna show you the receipt. It's very expensive, but like, it's still good when they work together. Yeah, I mean, they they did have some some fruit together, and I love the documentary on just those two. My best fiend. Oh, I haven't uh, seen that. Oh, it's real good because it's just a greatest hits of like those five movies. Oh shit! But like littered with uh, just behind the scenes stuff of the two of them, and. Like, just their attempts to, like, sometimes literally kill the other one. But I also just think, like, a lot of Werner Herzog movies, both documentaries and films, are about either a self-destructive person or a person trying to connect with something greater than themselves or both. Mm -hmm. And I feel like Klaus Kinski was sort of that. And I feel like Werner Herzog is that as well. Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because even modern... 
documentaries by Herzog, like uh, Lo and Beholds, mm-hmm. is like about him like trying to like understand like the the internet and the implications of it. And you know, the documentary screeches to a halt when he's like asking people like, "Does the internet dream of itself?" Yeah, You're like what? What? <laughs> I guess maybe. Yeah, he says that he doesn't watch TV or not a lot of movies either. He's just a big reader. And he understands what's in the hearts of men. He does watch uh, professional wrestling, though. Oh, okay. Because he, he finds it just a spectacle, like, that it's just 100% entertainment. I could see that. I could see that. Uh, he's got a fascination with animals. He thinks chickens are intensely stupid. Oh, yeah. He, he says it's very easy to hypnotize a chicken. By the way, uh, it's very easy to hypnotize a chicken. I mean, he's a force. He's a force. He is ben, a force. Been around since German, uh, the German expressionist movement of the 70s. He's made movies in that vein, but he's also, like evolved into doing his own thing i do think like his documentaries i keep using it in quotations because are just they're not exactly documentaries like they're they're definitely there's a point of view he's not trying to be like i'm just trying to show a scene or i'm just trying to show a thing like he's definitely like i have a point i have a thesis in a lot of ways he's like the polar opposite of like a ken burns where like ken burns is like trying to capture many points of view to illustrate a topic Werner Herzog, on the other hand, he has an opinion, he has a point of view, and he's trying to illustrate his thesis, really, via a documentary. Right. Hence, video essay. Sure. That's what I'm going to call them. Can you call them cinematic essays, at least? Video essay makes it sound like me in a camcorder. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, okay, cinematic essays. a good point to to pivot to today's movie if you're ready to do that buckled in okay uh today's movie is the 2005 cinematic essay thank you grizzly man and i would say this is one of the most meta of his movies and And i would also say that it's probably the best example of his work yeah it's yeah definitely one of the best ones yeah because i remember when this came out it made a big splash it was very talked about on its release. It was the first movie of his that I had seen, and I saw it in the theater. Oh, okay. Yeah. A friend of mine who was a big cinema buff kind of explained some things about Werner Herzog, and I was just like, okay, I'm interested. And he's like, do you want to go see this? And I was just like, yeah, why not? I don't care. I would just game for anything. And I remember being like, I've never seen anything like this. And I loved it. I had a coworker at the time who was a big, big fan, and often uh, I worked at the record store at the time, and he would constantly play uh popple vu who did like the soundtrack to a lot of the the herzog kinski joints oh, okay and he would always tell me about these Werner herzog klaus kinski movies and stuff like that so like when grizzly man came out like i knew who he was but like it was mythic really like i'd heard about him but i'd never seen one of his actual movies okay and i didn't see it in theaters i, I saw it on dvd so, so was this your, this was your first Werner herzog movie too i'm pretty sure that it was okay, okay, yeah okay, okay. like thinking back on it, i don't think i'd seen any other of his his stuff at the time i'm um, sorry i didn't mean to interrupt but so you went and saw it and well i don't know if seen it a second time this is my my second viewing I don't know if seeing it a second time enhanced it or if just 
time and age has enhanced it. Because I got a lot out of it this time. Yeah. A lot, lot more than when I first saw it. And first time I saw it was probably 2006 or seven. Pretty and fresh I, after it was released. So I was 21, 22. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. A, the, the Herzogian qualities come to four a lot more this time around. Sure. And, you know, I've seen 20 plus other Herzog movies in that time. So it's like, now that I kind of know what kind of protagonist he likes. And, I, you know, I was saying earlier. And that what kind of movie you're in for a little bit. Yeah. Well, you know, I was saying earlier that, like, he likes, you know, people trying to connect to something greater, you know, whether it's Little Dieter little Needs Dieter to Fly. was the first thing I thought of. Or self-destructive people. All the Klaus Kinski, Bad Lieutenant, like. Or, uh, yeah, I mean, now that you're saying that that way, like, um. Cave of Forgotten Dreams, people trying to connect with people in the future. Yeah. Or uh, or uh, trying to connect with people in the past, too. Yeah. Encounters at the End of the World is another one where they're just trying to, like, extreme. Or Death Wish people, like, that's another one. You're right. Okay. And this movie's kind of both. Yeah. Like, Tim Treadwell, mm-hmm. like, he's trying to become part of nature. Like, a very primal part of nature. Mm-hmm. It's like we all know that he's gonna die out there. Yeah. Like you, he tells us pretty early, but I think it's just because we need to know why he's not in the documentary himself. Sure. It's someone trying to connect with something bigger than themselves, but also if you're gonna hang around bears that long, and especially the way that he illustrates his drive to spend more time out there. There's, like, really only so many outcomes for this sort of thing. Timothy Treadwell, I think, is, like, the ultimate Herzog protagonist. Like, it's all the things that he finds fascinating in human nature. Yeah. And I'm going to say, while that's true, I think it also, there's an element of Herzog realizing that in himself a little bit. And so he, like, that's why he allows this movie to be a little more meta. And I think that that is a big part of it because we see... We see so much of Timothy filming his... A lot of this movie is just Timothy Treadwell's own film footage. Like, we should we should say that right off the bat. Like, a lot of it is just, like, over the 100-plus hours that he filmed on his own edited into this movie. But, like, you see Timothy talking, but then you also see, like, the before he, like, becomes character, and then also when he's done character. So, like, it really, like, drives home the the, the point that, like... He's making a character, basically, yeah. or like a creating a, a persona. Yeah, there there is sort of a meta element because it's like Timothy Treadwell was making a documentary, but now Werner Herzog is making a documentary on the documentaries that Timothy Treadwell made and pointing out the duality between Timothy Treadwell, like the character that he presented for the audience and who he really was in real life. Right. And Werner Herzog inserting himself into his uh, cinematic essays is also like... It takes on a new meaning when you're like, oh, we should be aware that like anybody acts differently when they're in front of a camera. Mm -hmm. Like suddenly once the camera's turned on you, you are inevitably not yourself when you're being observed. There's no way that you like it's yeah, it's not the same. I mean, we do it like I've, I've seen guests like look at us with the side eye once we're like, okay, we're hitting record. We're like, welcome to X rated movies. Yeah. People are like what happened uh, what just happened like yeah i mean like you have to like there's just once you're in that zone you turn on something else mm-hmm. and like by showing us that you're immediately like you have to question the not only timothy who he is and who his on camera persona is 
but the person making this movie, you're suddenly like, who are you and who who is the person that you are when you're making it? Yeah, because, I mean, uh, Werner gets in front of the camera not terribly often, but there's a couple times. For a second in this movie, yeah. Yeah, when he's, like, listening to the audio. Oh, put a pin. But he goes on to talk about how Timothy took many, many takes sometimes of right. himself to, like, get things just right. There's going to be a number of takes I'm going to do. These are called wild Timmy jungle scenes. We're going to do several takes of each where I'll do it with a bandana on, maybe a bandana off, maybe two different colored bandanas, some without a bandana, some with the camera being held. I think one of the best examples of sort of the meta elements of, of Werner like pointing out, like I- injecting his opinion, but also like making a documentary about the documentary is it's sort of near the end and it's when timothy is sort of in his more angry phase and he's railing against like the parks department yeah like trying to like put some regulations on his behavior and he's just railing against it like giving the finger he's like fuck them and like Werner herzog like the narration comes in he goes this is when timothy starts going off on some of the the parks department people and we're not going to cross the line the very yeah the very people who helped him get into this situation yeah and there's a stretch there where and it's timed really well because it's like there's parts where timothy treadwell will be talking and then Werner will cut in and say like i you know for the sake of anonymity we're not going to name these people we're not going to cross the same line that he did timothy is very clearly angry and upset and in a different mindset normally and then he'll pause and we'll hear timothy again for a little while but it's almost like he got back into character for a second yeah and then but then like vanner will like talk again over stuff there's like a nice interweaving of like timothy trying to be the character mm-hmm. of timothy treadwell for the camera also slipping into himself and letting go more than he would. And then Werner Herzog injecting his opinion into the documentary and like driving the narrative that he wants the audience to go towards. Like there's a lot in that when it's like, there's not a lot going on. It's just one guy talking to a camera and one guy narrating from time to time. But it's like, it's injecting like all the things that like we kind of associate with Herzog, like in this one shot. Now Treadwell crosses a line with the park service, which we will not cross. He attacks the individuals with whom he worked for 13 years. I beat your fucking asses. I protected the animals. I did it. Fuck you. Animals rule, Timothy conquered. Fuck you, Park Service. Okay. It is clear to me that the Park Service is not Treadwell's real enemy. There's a larger, more implacable adversary out there. The people's world and civilization. And then there's this the uh, symbolic nature of what comes later when like Timothy Treadwell, you know, dies by bear. And like the idea that the bear is attacking someone who is ostensibly there to help the bear. So it's like you see Timothy like attacking the people that have helped him to get to where he is, which is artificial. I don't think given the evidence of the story and the film footage that he has, just anybody would come up with that you know, symbolic nature of everything that's going on. Mm, You know, I think mm. it really takes 
like a Herzog stroke to sort of uh, put that That's all together. That's what I call my hand job technique. <laughs> it's, uh, what is it? It's it. Your stroke involves chaos, hostility, and murder. Yeah, sure. That, that's what really gets them off. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's just like I see. It's funny because it's like I see all these layers going on, but then there's like another part of my brain that's like I feel like somebody's putting those layers there, and that's like Werner Herzog superimposing them on it. You know, like I don't. It, it, but he does it so naturally that it feels like, of course, that's all you can think of when you see it. But like. I don't know. It, it, it's hard to separate. Is this somebody telling me that this is how it is? Or is it like one person's interpretation? Like, what say, would you say? I mean, yeah, because I mean, it, it's definitely his interpretation. Werner Herzog has made no secret that he is guiding the audience towards his opinion on, mm-hmm. on these things. Like he does that with all documentaries. Like he openly says that he will rehearse his interview subjects or guide them and, and lead them towards saying specific things. And I mean, it's in this movie all over. Yeah. At the I, corner. I, yeah, absolutely. Him listening to the audio, like this is all to guide us to a certain opinion about Timothy Treadwell. Yeah. And just like the lengths that he goes to, to talk about how Timothy, he was trying to build this persona that he was this, lone frontiersman this rugged individual out in like the alaskan peninsula when like the last two summers that he was out there like his girlfriend came with him yeah despite her fear of bears which girl yeah what are you doing i don't know i mean he was hot when he was on that swim team but agreed um, (laughs) agreed (laughs) yeah it's just like boy if you're scared of bears then this whole like grizzly refugee thing might not be uh, your cup of tea. I mean, I don't know. Maybe she's trying to face some fears, but and that suck. Like I, I, I think about this with like Natalie Wood, like her biggest fear was fear of drowning. Do we know that? Is that a thing? Yeah. She's wow. talked about it. Oh, and then she? she drowned to death. Yeah. I knew well, that part. Well, they say, well, I think she did drown. Like, cause I, I think like it was determined that her lungs were full of water. Mm-hmm. But why she drowned? Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. But yeah, the idea that like your biggest or one of your biggest fears is like fear of bears and then like you die by a bear eating you. And you, after watching your boyfriend die from a bear eating him. Yeah. Like. It's a rough way to go. Ugh. Feel for her. That place is haunted wherever <laughs> that is. Alaskan Peninsula. Bears are a big deal. Like, there's a reason why oh. we avoid them at all costs. He yeah. talks to them like they're little tiny dogs. Uh, yeah, he talks to them like they're little dogs. Yeah. Oh, he's a big bear. He's a big bear. A very big bear. Wow. One thing I was watching this time that really like was driving me nuts was like I can't tell when he's the persona of Timothy Treadwell that he wants to present, and when he's actually trying to be like in tune with these creatures because there's one part where one of the bears like i think her name is grinch comes up to him and like smacks her on the nose oh yeah don't you do that don't you do that back off don't do it it's okay i love you i love you i love you i love you I love you. I'm sorry. 
I'm not sure if it's because the camera's on or if it's, this is just how he deals with bears. But, like he smacks them and says, don't stick up on me like that. And then he's like, I love you. You're a good bear. Like almost immediately. And it's like in my mind, I'm like, is he doing that because he realizes the camera's on him and he's like needs to be a friend of bears? Mm. Or is that just how you like are supposed to gain trust of them? Like, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It really was fucking with me this time around. Yeah, I mean, there there is sort of an attractive allure to what he was doing, like when, like how he like befriended the foxes and things like that. Oh, and that's so beautiful. So that shot when it's like walking on the tent. Oh yeah. I'm just like I've never. Or just seen when he's that. like petting the fox and he's yeah. talking about how like. I think one of the things that's really important, as you can see, the bond that be- has developed between this very wild animal and this very fairly wild person. And you realize he has this gorgeous fur, and people are trying to kill him for it with steel jaw traps and cruel farming practices. And other people run him down on horses for sport, fox hunting. We want this to end. If you knew how you know lovely and beautiful these creatures are, you would never try and hurt them this way. And they kind of were like those foxes were kind of just like little dog kittens. Like, yeah. Uh, and he finds that like one that the wolves had gotten. And like that was just like uh like a heartbreaking moment to see like the half eaten fox out in the field and Oh God. I love you. I love you and I don't understand. It's a painful world. I mean, there's a lot of stuff in there that, like, oh, you're like, you sense the call of the wild, for lack of a better term. Sure. Like, you understand the allure to, like, come out here and, like, live in the wilderness. But but I would say, again, there's, like, a, a shadow of doubt thrown over who this person is, in my mind. Because, like, when we get introduced to his uh, other founder of um, Grizzlies Inc. or whatever her name was, uh, that worked with him at the restaurant... Like that, the restaurant is a place where you have to be theatrical. Mm. Um, they talk about how he moved to um, Los Angeles to be an actor, and he came in uh, second under Woody Harrelson to be that part in Cheers. Yeah, and like he lied about having an Australian accent for a while. Yeah, so there's like there's this long ha- form performative sort yeah, of stuff going on. There's that there's that element to it, so that it's like when I'm seeing this footage of him that he's made himself. I can't help but question, like, is this the real Timothy Treadwell or is this just the character he's... He's Peter Sellerizing it. Yeah, like, because he's alone and he's like, I know people will watch this. This is the person I want to make people believe I am. Or is this who he really is? Like, this is like the meta part of it that I'm like, I love thinking about and like the interview subjects are also similar where it's like once the camera's on them, they act differently. Like, going Oh, back they to seem the- super uneasy on camera. Yeah. Like all those like normal people like did not seem comfortable in front of the camera. The coroner's a good example. Like his friend from the restaurant is a good one. Like, and like Werner Herzog, I think makes a point of it because he like starts the shot before they like, he like almost like says action to them. Cause they're like standing there. Mm-hmm. and then they'll deliver the lines and like then he also like leaves it running a little bit longer after like the scene is done so they're just sort of as like uncomfortable moments like when the coroner gives that girl the watch and it seems like it should be over once uh she gets the watch and oh. he just keeps rolling yeah. and like the coroner's like putting his files away and the, the woman's like 
I feel like I should be saying something now. Yeah, he holds it just a little bit too long. Yeah. yeah. So there so it is. Full circle. Yeah, full I've circle. got it all. Yeah. I can't and believe it. It's hopefully it will continue to run a long time. I think it will. the last thing that's left. <laughs> Thanks, Frank. I think there there is something to this, like when a camera is turned on somebody, you act differently. And that causes me to question who is Timothy Treadwell still after this is all over because he's the one turning the camera on himself. So is he creating somebody that he wants us to see or is he showing us who he really is? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm going to say that like at least most of it was probably who he wanted us to see because there was a little, like, I mean, if Timothy Treadwell was around today, like he would definitely have a YouTube channel. Oh my God. And part of it is like, there is like a juvenile aspect to him. Yeah. I can see the allure. Like he has like his youthful energy. I can see it being both alluring and obnoxious because like a youthful energy can make you feel young and energetic. And like, here, here's this wild frontiersman. Like you can go out and like be around these bears, and and like they trust him, and like there's an allure to that. Yeah. But it's also like he really seems kind of wrapped up in himself a little bit. I mean, I mean, one thing is like he kept saying like how he had to be out there to protect the bears. Right. But they're in a preserve. <laughs> they're on a preserve. Like they even said like they the Verna like interviews other people like oh poaching isn't really a problem out here. Like, we do some bear hunting, but it's, like, you know, a little bear hunting is good for population control. And, yeah, poaching isn't as big a deal as it is, like, in Russia. Like, the, I mean, I mean, they kind of address, like, the bears don't really need protecting. And Timothy doesn't, like, his own footage doesn't really show him protecting the bears, but he's built it up in his mind that he is. Yeah. I mean, and like they even say there's that guy who's like uh, is part of some uh, Native American museum and he's like, I think he did more damage to the bears than he did because when you habituate bears to humans, they think all humans are safe. And he's also sort of showing that like um, these bears are very tame and like can be around people just fine. And so it's like it's a double bad that he's doing. Well, yeah, he had like convinced himself that he was doing a good when he was really doing a bad, Mm -hmm. but he, he like had convinced himself so much because like there's literally no shots of him helping bears. Like we never see that. Like maybe there is actual footage of him helping bears and, and Vander kept it out, but we don't actually see him helping bears. It's just, it just seems like he wanted to be a bear. Like, or is that what he wanted us to believe? And by that, I mean, is that what Timothy wanted us to believe? And is that what Werner wants us to believe about Timothy? Or is it the the character of Timothy wanting us to believe that when the actual Timothy didn't? <laughs> <laughs> There's also people who say that, like, they would encounter him in the preserve. Right. And he would, like, woof and bark at them and stuff like that. And it's like... Which I don't doubt. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. I'm not doubting that part. But it does kind of seem like he did want to be a bear. And like, they talk about how if he met his end at the paws and claws of a, of a grizzly, he would be fine with that. Yeah. 
And they talk about how they'd be uh, sad. He'd probably actually be sad that the bear that killed him was shot and killed. You're right. Yeah. I mean, I I think that kind of plays into his. He just wants to be part of nature. Mm-hmm. Society isn't his jam. I think if he could be a bear, he would have. I I think that part of his character is true. Sure. Because there seems to be enough support from the people around him to, to that 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 part is accurate. It seems like the work he's done to be accepted in this, for lack of a better word, community during this time of the year has paid off. Because like that fox remembers him. Mm-hmm. He can pet that fox. Those bears seem to remember him as well. Like from what little footage we get, like they, they at least like are either like mildly aggressive to just ignoring him. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of like, they all know that he's going to be there. He's almost like achieved his goal in that way. Like, A little bit. Yeah. In this zone during this time of year, he's accepted here. Yeah. What did, what did you feel about when he said that he wished that he was gay? I know I have that note too. <laughs> I always wished I was gay. It would have been a lot easier. You know, you can just ping, ping, ping. Okay, guys. Uh, problematic. Mostly because it was like, I'm on board for a while there until... The he, the rest stops and... Well, it, I mean, even then, I'm like, kind no, of like... You're like, no, still accurate. Okay, this is like... Well, he was recording this in the early 2000s, late 90s. That's the stereotype for people, straight people, sure, whatever. But it was when he was like... I'm sure gay people have problems too, but not as much as one goofy straight guy named Timothy Treadwell. Okay. Let's uh, put the brakes on a little bit, dude. Well, also, it was like all of his problems are self-made. He doesn't have any problems that couldn't go away by going back to civilization and getting a regular job. Yeah. Like, what are his problems? That he's not a bear? <laughs> like, I don't know. He also read my closet case to me, but... Do you want to put labels on that? I don't know. I feel like he's out there enough that, like, if he was actually gay, he would have just accepted that part of himself. Oh, you don't think that that, like, running out there was a way to escape it? Uh, you you think he was into figurative bears and not literal bears? Mm. Who am I to say? <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't get closet case from him. I definitely got hard vanity from him. Yeah. Which admittedly is a gay trait, but no, I, I definitely felt like he he did like the ladies. Okay. He may have had a, a, a gay man's vanity, but I think he was straight. Mm. But also he seemed to like date regularly. Like the yeah. that one lady is like, Yeah, we dated for a couple years, but now I'm his employee. I was like, wow, that's charisma mm. to go f- from being someone's paramour to being their employee. Yeah. She didn't really like Give any uh, indication that she also liked grizzly bears. No, until she started dating him is like what I'm inferring now. And he somehow got a lady who is scared of bears. Scared of bears. She also looked totally normal. I feel like if she wanted to date someone normal, she had it going on in a traditional sense. She could have made that happen, but she somehow chose this guy. So he must have been charismatic in some way mm. to get like this like leggy blonde who is scared of bears to come on this bear retreat with him. I mean, he says that he he's really good in the sack. So yeah, man, maybe no. he is. Maybe she's just like a sucker for that D. I don't know. 
enough uh, to go into like the wilderness with bears for your I don't know. I now I'm I don't know. Maybe it's like his top fascination is bears and like his second fascination is clits. Sure. So it's just like he's just when it's not bears, he's just going to town on it. <laughs> giving all his attention and energy to that. Oh, and she she can't resist it. Yeah. We don't know what went on in that tent. We don't. Except for the, the stuff he filmed that Werner chose to show in this movie, mm-hmm. which was gorgeous because it was all greenlit and beautiful. Yeah, it was good stuff. I want to go back. I want to rewind back to that fox scene. It is the cutest, coolest thing. I've never... I remember that shot from the first time I saw this where he's like looking up and he sees like these little paws. Little paw prints. And he like touches the paws and the thing like attacks it a little bit. Like it like plays with it. It is... It's beautiful and cute and... I love it. I mean, foxes are sort of like cat dogs. Yeah. They're a little in between, somewhere in the middle. Yeah. One and then of them steals just, his hat. I know. And he gets so upset because it takes it into the fox den. Yeah. Which I was questioning this time because I'm like, why are you still filming if that hat is so important? Like, wouldn't you put the camera down and be like, I got to get my hat? I mean, I know I would, but I don't know. If you're obscenely vain, then... Maybe it's a different story. Yeah. I don't know. Just the way he was saying, like, Oh, God damn it. I can't believe this. Ghost. Ghost, where's that fucking hat? That hat is so friggin' valuable for this trip. It felt, like, performative to me. Yeah. I mean, that's where, like, the juvenile streak really seemed to come out of him a little bit. Like, something must have happened to him that made him not want to grow up they talk about how he lost like his scholarship like when he was really young oh i missed that uh i think it was because he started drinking in college even though he or because he, he didn't get school. the woody harrelson part it was before that i oh, think oh, okay uh he lost his diving scholarship yeah right because oh, yeah, he went to college that was college and so i i really feel like because it was like he had a back injury, I want to say. Okay. And so he lost his, his diving scholarship. And it just, I mean, a lot of times when, when a traumatic event happens, people kind of stop maturing a little mm-hmm. bit. Like they freeze at that age. Sure. And I kind of feel like when he maybe when he got injured or when he lost a scholarship or a combination of, of events around that time, like that he kind of stopped maturing a little bit. Part of like people like that is like they can be very attractive personality wise because they make you feel young and they make you feel very uh uh youthful like they they inject you with energy but it's like ultimately you outmature them in the long run and that's probably why he couldn't keep a like he would complain in this that like he couldn't keep a girlfriend for very long and it was probably because of something like that 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 they would ultimately outgrow him after a little while. Yeah, that allure wears off. The, I mean, the allure wears off, but it's also like people grow and mature and change, and he wasn't. Yeah. Like, he was out there for 13 summers or something like that. I'm guessing he didn't change that much. Yeah. Can we talk about when he touches poop? <laughs> uh, Yeah, he, did, he kind of almost brags about it, he doesn't he? He gets real excited about it. Feel the poop. It's warm. It just came. It just came from her butt. This was just inside of her. My girl. I'm touching it. It's her poop. It's Wendy's poop. That was the other big takeaway from this movie. The first time I saw, it, I was like, he touches the bear poop, and he's like, it's still warm. 
This is the scene of the two bears fighting and the one poops mid-fight. Right? Yeah, and, and the uh, the one who does is named Sergeant Brown. <laughs> There's fur everywhere and in the camera foreground, excreted waste in the middle of the fight, so violent, so upsetting that Sergeant Brown um, went to the bathroom, did a number two during his fight. More bear poop in this movie than you'd think. Just going to throw that out there. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I figure there'd be some bear poop in this. Oh, so it was about the the amount of bear poop you thought there'd be. Slightly more. Okay. Did you ever think you'd see bear poop falling out of a bear's butt before? No. There's definitely more bears pooping than I thought this movie would have. Yeah. Pretty intense. You ever been in a fight so intense you did a number two? No. In fact, quite the opposite. I feel like, you know, I'm on my way to the bathroom and I get into a fight and it just like... Whoop, like, right back up inside me. You're like, well, we'll see what tomorrow holds. <laughs> and I missed it. <laughs> it's a short window. <laughs> yep. It's gone. <laughs> I think what, what kind of makes it remarkable is, like, in the early 2000s, I feel like documentaries got really, really big for a while. It's like digital filmmaking lowered the barrier to entry for documentaries. Okay, sure. And so there's a lot of documentaries around this time that are really good. You know, Dark Days, like, form my opinion on homelessness. Mm. Uh, Dear Zachary, Ugh. things like that. And it kind of almost feels like with all these documentaries that came out around this time, I mean, good ones, ones that, like, did the festival circuit and things like Capturing that. Capturing the Freedmen's. Capturing the Freedmen's is a great one. Yeah, exactly. And that, that that was right around this time. It almost feels like Werner Herzog, like, came out and was just like, I'm going to show you how it's done. <laughs> Hold my beer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's all, it's all found footage. You know, like, we talked about this a little bit in um, Stories We Tell, where it's like, if it's a documentary about, like, a family, you're going to show, like, you know, super eight footage of it and like that's sort of what he's doing here where it's like oh i'm doing a documentary well here's some footage that this person that i'm talking about shot yeah like the majority of the movie is is like timothy's filming yeah it it it, because i just i remember this making such a big splash at the time like it really just felt like anyone who like followed like independent cinema or documentaries at the time was really paying attention to this exact movie. Yeah. And I watch it now, I'm like, oh, I totally understand why. Like, even when I watched it, you know, way, 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 way back, like, I enjoyed it. I liked it. But I don't think... I think, A, now that I'm older, I sympathize with movies a little bit more. Uh, I get a little bit more emotionally invested, at least in good ones. Mm -hmm. But also... Now that, like, having seen a lot more documentaries and I see what Herzog was doing and what makes it more unique compared to the average documentary also adds, like, a level of impressiveness to what happened here. The thing that, like, stood out the most to me and which I was not able to articulate the first time I saw it was, like, it is about what happens when the camera's turned on you. How do you change? Who are you when that happens? And what's the difference between that persona and like your real life self? And it's so hard to know what that is watching this movie. Yeah. I mean, that does kind of play Cause like, I feel like the movie's about like, you know, what does it take to achieve your ultimate goals? Mm-hmm. But I kind of think that they're a little bit the same. Cause I think Timothy Treadwell's persona was that like, he wanted to be this like, ultimate naturalist sure this, 
you know, uh, uh, created a mythology about himself. Yeah. And, and ultimately meeting his end at the hands of bears, I think kind of actually plays into that. Yeah. Like he was eaten by a bear. Like he, he, he became part of a bear in the end. Yeah. Like when he's talking about the poop, he's like, this is inside a bear. It's like, well, you know, he was inside a bear at the end. Yeah. Like, like him being destroyed, let him like reach his goal. Like on that note, like I, I want to talk more a little bit about the chaos, <laughs> the, the destruction, the restraint, the murder that uh, Werner Herzog has because that's when he dies. It's there's audio of it. Like yeah. the camera has a lens cap on. It's being recorded. I, I don't know who turned on the camera, but someone did. So you can hear the audio of it. And there's a scene in this movie where Werner Herzog is listening to the audio of him and his girlfriend dying by the hands of this bear, mm-hmm. paws and claws of this bear. And he takes it off and he's like, Truly, you must never listen to this. I think you, you should not keep it. You should destroy it. Yeah. I think that's what you should do. Okay because it will be the white elephant in your room all your life. When I first saw this, I was like, why didn't he play some of it? Why I would I would like to hear it a little bit. Okay. Um but to leave it out, it's almost more scary like what I'm imagining. That's a trope you use for horror movies or or, or you know things where it's like you don't like Rosemary's baby. You don't never see the baby, but you see her reaction to it. Sure. So like to do that in a documentary feels fresh. Also, spoiler and alert. Different. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but like you just hear him like take off the headphones and his like distress on it and like you the camera's just turned on the girl's face who has the tape and you see her like start to cry. Yeah. That's just something you don't see in a documentary, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean it's the one time I think that we see Werner in the movie. Yeah. And it is a little odd that like he chose this one time to get in front of the camera in his own documentary. Mm-hmm. Like that's typically a, a verboten thing. Yeah, and it's not like he's accidentally in the frame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not not at all. I'm with you a little bit. I kind of wish I had heard it. At least some of it. Now I'm like, it. I think it's. I'm glad. I don't want to know. <laughs> but yeah, I just. I don't know. Herzog, his documentaries, he just knocks them out of the park. He just shows them all how it's done, really. Yeah. I feel like more people have followed Werner Herzog's model than Ken Burns' model. Oh, definitely. Um, And Werner Herzog has, like, shown that, like, you know, while we can imitate his voice, we cannot really imitate his style. Now like, say it in Werner Herzog's voice. You can imitate my cadence. <laughs> You can never imitate my art. Very well, very well done. I wanted to ask you, you sent me a text when you rented this that we needed to make sure that we pointed out that this was an Anna and Pranica pick from uh grace generation. Yeah. 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 Uh, at scarecrow, there's a little thing on it that says, uh, like sponsored by Adam Pranica. Huh? 
And I made sure to rent the because there's Scarecrow had several copies of this, okay. and not all of them had the sponsored by thing on. It, and I made sure to get the sponsored by copy. I wonder what other ones he sponsored. I'll ask next next time I'm there. Yeah, does he have a special section? At some point, he must have because those things usually like when Scarecrow does like a fundraiser or something like that, like you'll be able to sponsor a section at least for like a month or something oh, okay so uh adam pranica must have had a, a spotlight section for a while i mean he has several star trek podcasts but he also has a movie podcast it's a war movie podcast yeah friendly fire friendly fire so, yeah no longer a seattleite though unfortunately oh really yeah recently moved to los angeles oh boo well i know let's all right everyone calm down you put the tomatoes away <laughs> but love that guy Ryan, Matt, next week, episode 150, and you know what we do on every 50th episode. It's our AFI roulette. I am being a character in a Sabin uh, television series. Mighty Morphin mm, Power Rangers. I was going to say you're mighty and morphin and power rangering all over this couch. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Okay. That'll come out, right? Yeah. Okay. A little club soda, a little baking soda. Oh. oh. Let's see. What's off the board? We've got... Um, we can't do Clockwork Orange. We can't do Something Like It Hot. We can't do Tootsie. We can't do Pulp, Pulp Fiction. Fiction. We can't do The Apartment, MASH, or Streetcar Named Desire. So that's seven off the list. Okay. 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 All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spin first. Okay. So we got a big prices right style wheel here. Right. And uh we've we've each Ryan's got a veto. Recent up hard, we each have a veto, yes. So um and but when we veto, we're vetoing the pair, the of, pair movies. of movies. We can't just do one. Do you think anyone ever farted while spinning the wheel on prices right? A hundred percent, definitely. <laughs> like I almost I'm only I, I'm not asking because I'm worried myself. I'm just just came came to me a little bit. Like okay. I just I thought like you're straining yourself a little bit <laughs> it you looked know? like i was going to fart well i can tell you right now i have no gas in me whatsoever <laughs> so here i go <laughs> i'm sorry i didn't think i had gas in me but there it was it's okay it's okay it worked out because we got number 74 oh shit what is that Silence of the Lambs. Ding, 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 <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Big winner, big winner. Boy, it's going to have to be a real crappy movie for me <laughs> not to want to ch- do this one. Speaking of crappy, what have you been eating? I hope. <laughs> I'm just wondering if you're going to. All the usual stuff spinach, arugula, Brussels sprouts, <laughs> rockfish, shrimp. Okay. Uh, you know, nothing out of the ordinary. Raw eggs. Yeah, this ought to be good. <laughs> Fuck, man. We might just have to go for what it. What is it? What is it? Number nine. <gasps> Vertigo. <gasps> done. Done. Don't veto. I'm not vetoing. This is a great combo. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not I'm not vetoing either. The suspense is gone, people. <laughs> we're not doing it. We're doing we're doing Vertigo and Science of the Lambs. Cool. Two movies I own. So that makes that easy. I've never, I've actually never watched Vertigo all the way through. So. Oh, really? Yeah, I've only seen uh, parts of it. 
Wow. Okay. Vertigo, Silence of the Lambs. How anticlimactic. <laughs> uh, should we plug our junk and get the fuck out of here? Go to our Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash movies. Become a sponsor. We promise we will reward you at some point in time. Get in now because it's going to be a cool thing to do and not everyone's going to be in on it. And then you'll be able to say I was there before anyone else. You'll be able to get a tier named after you. Yeah, there's. we still have several tiers. at this. As of this recording, we still have several tiers you can jump in on. But don't feel like you have to start a new tier. You can always jump in on one of the o- uh, older tiers, and that's fine, too. Because you're going to get a lot of good stuff. You're going to get a lot of bonus content. It's really worth your time. And your money. Uh, follow us on Twitter at XRatedMovies. Follow us on Facebook at RatedXMovies. You can send us an email, x.rated.movies at gmail.com. And check out our website, xratedmovies.com. And if you have a free second, give us some stars and some ratings on Apple Podcasts or whatever you're listening to this show on. Yes, please do. We love it. We love it when people, uh, I'm going to throw this out there again. Gloopy Gloop in the Gloopenheim is always welcome. Jimmy Stewart Blumpkin, if you can't think of anything else to write, just write those things. It's and if you're an old schooler, tape. Tape. <laughs> right on. Well, until next week. When we do the uh, incredible combo of Vertigo and the Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. Two movies I can really watch anytime. AFI 100. Yeah. Keep reaching for that rainbow. Mm